Hello and welcome to Automators. I am Rosemary Orchard and joined as always by my wonderful co-host based in California, David Sparks. Hello, David. Hello, Rosemary Orchard. Based in the UK now. Yes, yes, I am. Uh, a little earlier than expected, but not quite intentionally. I came over to visit and then I got stuck. Um, well, you know. Somewhat, somewhat intentionally stuck, but it's okay. I, I'm quite happy with the the end result. I need to go back at some point. My HomePods are still in Austria, um, as is my Mac Mini. So I'm doing everything oh, no. on MacBook Air, but yeah. it's okay. You know, there are there are considerably worse things that could be happening, and as it is, I get to talk to you. So I'm calling this a pretty good day. Yeah, we got an interesting show today. Uh, the daily brief is the focus of the show, and the daily brief is cool shortcuts we've made to kind of give ourselves a brief of what we need need for the day. But we're also introducing a new segment called Ask the Automators, where people have asked us questions, and we're going to help automate a few folks. And uh, that one I'm really looking forward to. We've got some really cool automation to talk about on that as well today. So uh, a lot to share, but I guess we should just get started, Rose. I think we should. And I think it might be a good idea to start with, you know, like, what is a daily brief? And like, why why do we have one? Because... I mean, for me, the original idea came from when I was watching that very first Iron Man film and Jarvis um, wakes up at, you know, the house and is there going and the weather today is like this and, you know, all of that. And I was there going, you know, like, that's really cool. Um, I think it was mostly the window and the blinds automatically going up that I really liked, but I've taken the other parts of it and implemented those in my life. Yeah, and, and actually you could add window and blinds automation to this because there are HomeKit friendly windows and blinds. If you wanted to add them. Yeah, can. IKEA has new HomeKit blinds, which uh, as as I'm moving uh, where I am right now, I don't think my parents particularly want me to HomeKitify their entire house, though I'm working on that. Uh, but I would, you know, seriously consider adding blinds going up to the part of my daily brief, like something that just happens as a part of it. Yeah, I, I would look at those when I was setting up my home studio and the budget for the blinds without automation is $50 and with is something like 800 And very yeah. quickly I realized I don't need those, but I, I haven't looked at, I guess, so IKEA makes them. So I'm assuming they're, they're much less expensive. They are more affordable than the, the other options. Yes, but they are still not. Uh, oh, well, yeah. I'll buy these not without trivial. thinking about it slash yeah. consulting yeah. Uh, the other half of, of my, my, my person. Um, because if, if you, if you do just sort of buy them and go home, it's like, hey, hi, I bought the fancy new blinds. Oh, cool. How much were they? Don't check the credit card bill. They're not they're yeah. not that cheap, unfortunately. Yeah. And and I don't even really have entire faith that they would work all the time. Even though I make a show called The Automators, I feel like HomeKit sometimes is a little testy. Uh, but if you're using automated blinds, let us know in the forums. We'd love to hear from you. See yeah. how it's going. Yeah. And I'm definitely interested. The uh, The daily brief, you know, the idea behind it, like Rose was saying, is you could have a customized you know, series of information given to you every day for just the stuff that you're interested in. And these are generated through shortcuts. This is uh, the first half of the show will be shortcuts heavy because it's just such a great place to do it. And uh, the programming model is pretty simple. So mm -hmm. anybody can make it. But at the same time, it's kind of a complicated thing. Like my daily brief uh, script is 68 steps. It's one of the largest ones I have because I just keep adding things to it. And I think this is an excellent playground if you want to get better at shortcuts is to start making your own daily brief because you can like solve specific problems and add stuff onto it. And it, it's kind of a fun place to make something. And uh, I so play along with us. We're going to talk today about some of the specific problems we solved with our daily brief uh, shortcuts so you can kind of hopefully get a jump start on it and um and open your mind to the things you can include like i was thinking i have a friend uh that would love to have a surf report in his daily brief there's not one in mind but just sitting here coming up with the idea i bet i could solve that problem i spend a little time on it with shortcuts Yes, definitely. And I think, you know, that's one of these things. You can customize this to include whatever information is appropriate for you. And also, at least in my case, I've customized it to not include information when it's not relevant. So, for example, yeah. a little sneak preview part of mine is checking, you know, like, how long is it to my next trip? Well, right now, especially, you know, considering the current situation, I have canceled all my future travel plans. So it's not doing that anymore. It's just skipping that section. Um, and it does that automatically as part of my brief. And that is an excellent way to hone your shortcut skills and the daily brief is another one where it's a really good idea to like break this up into little chunks and then your actual daily brief can just be like 
run this shortcut, run that shortcut, run the other shortcut. Because then if you want your surf report in the afternoon, um, you know, to maybe go surfing in the evening or to think about whether or not you want to go surfing the next day, you can just run the surf report. But then if you want it as part of your daily brief, you can just have that in there. And that is a, a great way to, you know, get started and play with all this stuff. Yeah, one of the best tools, and we're going to talk about it repeatedly through the show, at least that this this is all sprinkled throughout my daily brief, is the if statement. Because mm-hmm. you can apply conditions. Like you get information, you apply a condition. Like if the surf is higher than three feet, you know, and if it's less than three feet, then don't give me a surf report, you know. But all of a sudden it hits a certain threshold, and then I get a surf report. Mm-hmm. And so I don't hear the information unless I need to. And uh, both of us have used that. So... Um, I thought it'd be fun. Why don't we just kind of, you know, ping pong a little bit back and forth and and talk about some of the stuff in our daily briefs and, and how we solve specific problems. Yes. And I think actually I'm going to start with how I actually run my daily brief, because when I turn off yeah. my alarm on my iPhone in the morning, then that kicks off an automation. So automations and shortcuts, of course, some of them have this slightly annoying, you know, the notification appears, you have to tap the notification. But when your alarm stops is one of those where it just runs. So that is actually how I kick off my daily brief in the morning. So my alarm goes off, I turn it off, and then it just runs. And that for me has been a game changer in how all of this works because it means that I get all this information. Unfortunately, in some cases, I'm still not quite awake, especially if I've had to set an early alarm for an early meeting. Um, But I can always run it again later. But I have mine run automatically in the morning. What about you, David? Um, I I run mine manually when I want it. Uh, Quite often I do it while I'm eating breakfast or, you know, kind of just like gathering myself in the morning. Uh, Running it off the alarm Ending trigger, that was a great idea. I I like that. How do you display the data? So I'm using the show result action, actually. Yeah. Um, Because the show result action means if I then choose to run run the shortcut through Siri. So I should be very clear. um, Inside of my automation, I literally just have one step, which is run shortcut. um, Because I don't want to build that whole thing inside of that. Because then if I want to trigger it manually later guess what? I have to create an alarm and disable it. Um, and actually, yeah. it's actually it's very specifically tied to my bedtime alarm, um, which is something that you can do in shortcuts. So oh, um, I've built this as a separate shortcut. And inside my automation, I just use the, the run shortcut action. But then inside of the shortcut, I'm using the show result. Because it does mean if I try and run this uh, through Siri, I haven't been able to run it on a HomePod recently with my HomePods being in another country. Um, but um, I, I think I can run it on my HomePod as well. Then it will speak. But if I run it by tapping it, then it displays the data for me. And that that is really, really nice. I did the same thing. I set it up with show result with the idea I'd have my HomePod speak it to me truly like, you know, Iron Man. But the... Uh, mm-hmm. But I actually just prefer to read it. That's what I found. <laughs> yes. Well, I like hearing it when I'm first waking up in the morning and then I will run it again. Um, so one thing I have been playing with recently, which has been really useful and interesting, is I have been at the end of my my shortcut. Um, if it hasn't run that day already, and this is pulling data from Data Jar, something we talked about in uh, a recent episode, it's... Uh, it should be out by the time this episode actually comes out, if I'm remembering things correctly. It should be out a few days before. So we'll put a link to that in the show notes. Um, but um, what, I do, what I do is I check whether or not it's already run that day. If it hasn't run that day, then what it does um, is it adds a push cut uh, notification to run it again in 45 minutes. And then Pushcut will pop up on my screen in 45 minutes to remind me to run my daily brief. So I get to listen to it when I'm kind of half awake, which gives me an idea of, oh, great. What are the like super important things to get done today? Or, oh, my gosh, I've got a meeting in an hour and I need to really get up and get to work. Um, though, of course, right now, that's not such a problem. But usually it, it's very helpful. Um, you know, like don't be late for work this morning. You have a meeting and it's with important people. So you need to make sure that you've done more than just brush your hair. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, then I can run it. Then Pushcut comes up and tells me, hey, like, do you want to double check on your daily brief? And then when I run it, then it's running and displaying the text on the screen for me to read and absorb. Yeah. See, I for me, I just literally run it manually, like quite often while I'm cooking my toast, you know, so it's just <laughs> not a... I haven't automated the process of triggering it, although it's a good idea to do that. And, um, you know, as always, as we make a show of automators, it inspires me to want to do more with this. But the uh, but let's talk a little bit about what's in the scripts themselves. 
Um, yeah. Usually they start out with collection of information. You know, that's, I think, a, a very good starting place for me. I get the current date. Um, I get the um, the weather. Um, like one of the things I've done uh, for trips, in fact, we're going to talk about trips later, but I, I will calculate the time between today and an upcoming trip. And then I will give myself kind of like an update, you know, like X days until you go to WWDC or wherever it is. Although like you, there aren't many trips on the books for me this year, but, but collecting data, I think is important. Location, mm-hmm. weather, calendar are three of the big ones. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I, I do pretty much the same thing. In general, um, what I've been doing actually with the location, because actually getting the location and shortcuts can take a long time, like not in a good way. It takes a very yeah. long time, it feels like. So what I've been doing is I've been checking the name of the Wi-Fi network. Um, and I've built a little dictionary of um, Wi-Fi network names to addresses. And I'm saving this again. I'm saving this in data jar, but you could just save this in a file um, in shortcuts. Um, and then... Um, or you could just put it as a dictionary inside of a shortcut, you know, like yeah. Wi-Fi network to address. Um, and this means that my home Wi-Fi network, my parents' Wi-Fi network, my grandmother's Wi-Fi network, my 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 other grandmother's Wi-Fi network, all of those, I can look, I can get the name of the Wi-Fi network and then I can convert it to a location. Rosemary and if I'm Orchard. Not on one of those. That is brilliant. That is yeah. brilliant. Because she's right. Uh, when you go to do a location check in shortcuts, it can take like, 30 seconds sometimes. Yeah. It's just crazy how long it takes. So yeah. all you're doing is setting up a dictionary and saying, uh, if you've got Wi-Fi network, Rose's parents, then location is, and then you put the location in. Yeah. Number one, Rose's parents address, United Kingdom. Yeah. That's exactly how addresses work over here, by the way. <laughs> yeah. And then like the- same thing, work, you know, whatever apartment yeah in my case work is a little more difficult because work is very widespread and we have three different wi-fi networks and one of those wi-fi networks is an international wi-fi network called edgy Roam. um and so i could be in london and connected to edgy Roam. and so i don't use that specific one for but for many people that will work now the catch is you do have to be connected to that wi-fi for this to work it won't just scan for local wi-fi networks and yeah. do things based on that yeah. um but you know, it, it's a very good solution for, you know, am I at home? <laughs> yes. And I'm on this Wi-Fi network. Perfect. Then let's skip the whole actually getting location. Um, and uh, yeah, just just grab the Wi-Fi network. Okay. So the mechanics of that in the shortcut are, was it an if statement and then checking uh, against a, a known list of Wi-Fi networks? Uh, let me check. So I've, I'm getting the network details and that says get Wi-Fi networks network name. Yeah, And then what I have is before that action. So the first action is actually the dictionary or getting yeah. the dictionary, in my case, out of data jar because I'm using this in multiple different places. So I don't want to build this dictionary into just one shortcut. No, makes sense. Um, so and then uh, so I have the dictionary and then I have getting the Wi-Fi network name and then I have a get value from dictionary. Uh, action. Um, I think it's called get value from dictionary. Uh, let me just double check by adding it. Get dictionary value. Sorry. Yeah. Then I say get value for the key is the network details and then the dictionary is uh, the previous dictionary. Um, and then this allows me to convert that network name into an address and then that is what I can feed into a bunch of other things. Now of course in the weather case, using the built-in weather information and current weather and a lot of other weather applications, you don't need to specify um, the actual location because those w- have already cached your location based on you know when they last checked for an update. Yeah. Um, and so that's already up to date. And that that's good. Um, so you don't need that. But in my case, if it's checking, you know, like how long is it going to take me to walk to work this morning? You know, if the wind is blowing you horizontal, it's going to take a lot longer than it would otherwise. Um, then it's very useful to have that address there available for you. How do you address the problem of you're not on a known Wi-Fi network? You're on a strange Wi-Fi network or you're not on a Wi-Fi network at all? That is a good question, and I'm not remembering exactly what comes out here. So I'm just going to delete my parents' network from this. I will undo this later. Uh, it just comes out with nothing. That's the thing. And so that was it. Um, that's why I have this if afterwards. There we go. So after this, yeah, I have I think there was an if there somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. So after the get value for network details in dictionary option, I say if my network, uh, if my dictionary value does not have any value... And yeah. then inside of that, there's no otherwise. It gets my current location. That's why yeah. it's there. Gotcha. There you go. Okay. 
So, so I see, I was thinking you'd solve that problem up front, you know, but no, it makes more sense to first compare your Wi-Fi network to the known dictionary. And then if none of these work, then get the yeah. location. Well, here I'm taking advantage of the fact that shortcuts is very user friendly because usually what you would have to do in a programming language is check whether or not your key is in the dictionary before you say, hey, this is equivalent to that. Uh, but in shortcuts, you can just say, hey, like, uh, you know, get the value for the network details in the dictionary and it will just return nothing if it doesn't find that key. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to put my parents' network back there. Um, so um, th this is, you know, a pretty sneaky way of, of doing it. And I'm pretty happy with my solution there. No, I think it's it's brilliant. And the thing about that is, you're right. This is something that just doesn't work with the daily brief. Anything you do that involves location, uh, that location call is one of the biggest headaches in shortcuts. So you're shortcutting that. Ooh, see how I did that? Um, with mm. this dictionary. So uh, it's absolutely something that would make since it's an external data store or something that you uh, repeat throughout. You could also maybe make that a a shortcut that you call from a shortcut, just a, yes. call a location shortcut, put the dictionary in there and and have it compare the dictionary and find location and to save that as, you know, location subroutine or whatever you want to call it. And then you could call that shortcut from another shortcut. I have actually just done that. I've just duplicated my shortcut and I've 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 deleted the extra actions yeah. or I'm deleting the extra actions and I've changed it to get location because this means I can then go through and add any more locations. I mean, I do that in data jar, but I'm going to have a different one in the show notes for people that does not need data jar or anything else. It's just using shortcuts and a dictionary inside of shortcuts. Very clever, Rosemary. I love that. Um, so, but, you know, the point is you're collecting data at the beginning uh, for me, I'm getting the current date, the current weather. Uh, I also grab events from my calendars. And there's three, I have many, many calendars. It's kind of ridiculous how many calendars I have, but the three oh, that really, the, the three that really matter for the daily brief is the, is the field guide calendar, the Max Barkey calendar, the legal calendar, and the personal calendar. And I actually break up the event reporting later by the areas of my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've actually done that as well. I have different shortcuts to tell me what is upcoming um, for um, a few different kinds of areas of my life. Um, and these pretty much map to my Fantastical calendar sets. So I have podcasting, which includes the Automators podcast and Nested Folders podcast. And I also have a generic uh, podcasting calendar, which is for things like, you know, if I'm going on clockwise or something, that, that goes in that calendar. Um, and this is quite useful because especially at the moment, I'm temporarily staying with my parents. It's quite useful, uh, you know, like before uh, or at lunchtime because I don't record before lunch. All of the, my podcast co-hosts are in the U.S. pretty much. So you're all happily asleep before I have my lunch. But then at lunchtime, I can just be like, OK, here's a list of when I'm recording today uh, done as a shortcut. So they know, you know, like ideally, if we can avoid it, please don't vacuum the house or run the washing machine uh, during this time. But other than that, live your normal life. Um, so that, that's very useful, um, and a great opportunity to have those sub shortcuts as well. Yeah. And it's just really easy because then once you get those events by calendar, then you can do a comparison to see how many they are. Like for instance, with mine, once I pull the events, for instance, Max Parkey, if the event count is zero, then I just set the variable to say there are no Max Parkey events today. And then Otherwise, I can report a list of the events if there are Max mm -hmm. Barkey events. And and I think this is what I was saying earlier. The if statements are just so helpful as you're building this daily routine short, uh, shortcut. Yes. Um, and I do that something very similar as well for my trip information. Um, so if I'm on a trip, and this is uh, marked by having an all-day event in my trip at calendar, um, then it will do something different. Um, and it will tell me if I've got anything tripwise planned for, for that day. Um, you know, because I, I like to add things into into my trip at calendar based on, you know, like, I think I'm probably going to go see the Space Needle in Seattle today, or I don't know, I'm going to go see the Grand Canyon um, the next day. Uh, that might require a flight in between, but I'm sure I'll make it. And uh, it, it's it's nice to be able to switch between those. But if there's nothing, uh, if I don't have um, an all day event in my calendar there, then I just have nothing because I don't need to be told about, you know, like on your trip today to Seattle, you're going to be doing this. Oh, and by the way, the Grand Canyon's not in Seattle. But, you know, it's, it's uh, nice to have that. The way I deal with um, trips is it's kind of hard coded in. So I have a shortcut that looks at 
like the last one I did this for was our, we had a vacation to Hawaii and I just had in there a listing of, yeah, I knew when the date was that we were leaving. So I did a difference between date shortcut, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I would just say, get the number of days between today and November or whatever that we left. And, and then it would report when it reports a shortcut, say X days between now and your trip to Hawaii, Aloha, you know? And so it was a, like hard written in. So the next one I would be doing it for would be WWDC if that were a thing. But since that's not a thing, I, I took that out now. So that's, that's blank and it doesn't run, but, uh, you know, having it look for, I guess, I guess a way to make this easier would be to look for a trip calendar and just put mm-hmm. all the stuff on trips. And then you would look out pretty far in the future. You're like within five months or something and then, and do a time between dates for that. Uh, that'd be a way to be more automatic. I guess that's how you're doing it, right? Yeah, it is. Because in my case, what I do is I forward all of the plans to TripIt and it yeah. parses them. Unfortunately, I've been hearing from some listeners that it doesn't manage to parse emails in languages other than English. Um, I have had the odd success with a German language email, but I'm pretty certain that's because their formatting is directly 100% exactly the same as the English language email. Yeah. Um, and so and so it just manages to parse it because, you know, the data is still in the places looking forward. Um but, um, you know, so I, I so that is another automation I have there. And then that means that these trips are in my calendar and it tells me, you know, like, uh, you know, 100 days until this or 50 days until that or something like that. This episode of Automators is brought to you by Pingdom from SolarWinds. Today's Internet users expect a fast web experience. No matter how good your content or how effective your marketing, they'll most likely bounce if your website is loading too slowly. With real user monitoring from Pingdom, you can discover how website performance issues affect your visitors' experience, so you can take action before your business is impacted. How your visitors experience your website differs depending on the browser, device, and platform they use. So if you want to identify how visitors are experiencing your website, so you can make informed optimizations and deliver great performance to those who matter the most. Real user monitoring is an event-based solution, so it's built for scalability meaning you can monitor millions of page views without compromising the fidelity of your historical data or breaking the bank in the process. Get live visitor insights today with real user monitoring from Pingdom. Go to pingdom.com slash readafm right now for a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. And then when you sign up, use the code AUTOMATORS in all caps at checkout to get an awesome 30% off your first invoice. Thanks to Pingdom for SolarWinds for their support of this show and FM. Hey, I want to talk about conditional reporting a little bit further, but in this case, let's talk about how we're doing it with weather. I, I think this is for me like one of the simpler ones I do. But where I live, it it gets real windy sometimes, but not you know not often. But when it does, it's real windy. So I have one where it's using the shortcut uh, connection to the Apple Weather application. And it's just looking to see wind speed. And if wind speed is greater than 10 miles an hour, and then it then it creates a text block that said wind speed is expected to be, and then it inserts the 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 miles per hour, you know, the wind speed variable. Mm-hmm. And then I save that as a variable. And then when I do my reporting, it'll show up. But I only see that if it is over 10 miles an hour. So I don't on every day get a daily report about what the wind is going to be today, but when it does show up, it's of note to me. It's something I need to, you know, start battening down the hatches for. And I just, it's a very simple idea in shortcuts, the if statement, and you just contain it in there. Otherwise, the text is blank. I have a separate text block in the, you know, if other, and then I set that, and there's literally nothing in it. And then I set that to the variable called, you know, wind unlikely. And then that's what gets reported on the, um, on the report, but you don't see anything because it's just an empty text field. That's a great way of doing it. I have personally been using the variable that comes out of the if statement because um, then uh, I don't need to to set anything uh, explicitly to blank. I just throw a notification in, uh, sorry, a notification. I throw one of those nothing actions in there. There's yeah. an actual nothing action inside of shortcuts, yeah. uh, which is very useful when you're just like scrolling through quickly because I found if I'm scrolling through quickly and I see a blank text box, I worry that I've deleted something. Yeah. So I've been using the nothing action instead. That's probably cleaner. Yeah. I mean, it's a personal preference uh, yeah. as much as anything. 
Um, but what I have been doing, I don't have so much of a problem with wind, but over here in the UK, we have rain. Um, and the weather is one of those topics that people talk about all the time because it really does change pretty quickly. Um, especially here, I'm only 40 minutes from the coast. I mean, it's hard to be far from the coast in the UK, um, but I, I'm really not that far away. Um, and uh, so I've been getting the precipitation chance. Um, and I've been trying to figure out, you know, like, how wrong are the weather people? And the good news is, is the weather people are much, much more accurate today than they were when my parents were kids. Um, and so I've been just checking if the precipitation chance is above 50%, then I want to know. Um, because that's when I need to take an umbrella with me. And so what I do is I check if the precipitation chance is above 50%, uh, then I say, you need an umbrella today. But I only do that if I am leaving the house for some reason. So if on my calendar there is something like going to the supermarket because my dad loves to put everything in the calendar and he's invited me to all of these things. So these are all in my calendar now. Um, then uh, then that's then it will tell me that. Or if I'm going to work um, at, when I'm back in Austria, um, though the precipitation chance over there, I could probably get away with a higher number, but I didn't program that yet. Um, but, you know, so it's it only tells me this if I am actually going to leave the house that day. Interesting. Um, I, yeah. I should probably expand that because I do leave the house on days when it's not in my calendar. Like I'll go to the supermarket or the bakery to buy something. Um, but uh, at the moment, it only tells me if I have to leave the house. Yeah, see, I go outside often without appointments, so I would just leave it. But but the other thing I do add to that, and it's funny because you and I use the exact same numbers. We didn't compare notes before, gang. This is just coincidence but 50 percent for me is the trigger before i get any notification about rain and uh you can also have it pull the expected amount of rain so if it's over 50 percent, it says okay the chance of rain is x percent and the amount expected is x because a lot of times in southern california even if we have a high expectation of rain it's a trivial amount of rain so mm -hmm. so little that you're like i'm not going to bother with an umbrella yeah that that that's one of those things where yeah you you do need to to account because sometimes the other thing that I should really build into mind and this is actually giving me a great idea is um the wind strength so if it's going to rain and it's you know and it's going to be windy then it should tell me you know it's going to rain but don't take an umbrella I do have one of those special umbrellas with wind vents but even so I prefer to try and keep my things in good condition so taking it out in gale force winds is not a great idea. I, I, I told you on the show before, I've never been as cold as I was when I was near your parents' house. So I would, uh, I would just, if yeah. I had a daily brief and I lived near your parents, I would just have it every day, say, put on three jackets. It would, there'd be no if condition. It would just be there every day. In defense of the UK, you explicitly went to Stonehenge, which is when you were super cold, and Stonehenge is a very exposed area. In January. Pretty much the only thing yeah. that you can use to get away from the wind there are the stones, and they have like a very wide radius around them where you can't go in to prevent the earth from eroding. Yeah. So you're you're kind of stuffed out there. Like I'm so cold, cold when I go to Stonehenge. So cold. I, I went Bob I went a dog sledding on a glacier in Alaska and I was not as cold as I was at Stonehenge. That's all I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, well, that's cool. So we're both using the conditions. Another cool one that I like to do is part of my daily brief is I, I like to see if there's birthdays coming up. And mm. so what I do is I find calendar events in the next five days where, and, and I look at the, the birthday calendar, cause we all have that. Or if you're using contacts and you click the button, you do. So any birthdays that show up in the next five days, um, if the count is zero, that's another very useful um, shortcut, by the way, if count equals is something when you're doing the daily brief that always lets you kind of qualify this stuff. Uh, if, mm -hmm. it, if it equals zero, then it's nothing. But if if um, uh, if there is something there, then it, it creates a text block. Upcoming birthdays are and it inserts the names using, you know, the smart variables uh, of the names of the upcoming birthdays. And it's just great. So I. I don't see it every day, but occasionally I get a little warning and I like five days because I, I need a little time if I need to get a gift or do something special for somebody's birthday. I like that. Um, and one of the things I've been doing, so previously um, back before, I think it was iOS 13 before uh, when I was doing the count method, because there is a count action inside of um, inside of shortcuts that you can use to count these things. But since iOS 13, I've been changing all of my ifs over to just so get the results from the find calendar events where and yeah. just say if it has any value. 
Yeah. Um, and that is a little bit cleaner and perhaps for some people, especially people new to shortcuts, a much more friendly way of looking at it. Yeah. Um, because you know, if it has any value, well, yeah, if there if there are birthdays, then it has value. Okay, that that's that's quite easy, but count if count of birthdays not equals zero, that that can take a moment to wrap your head around. Um and so that that's a, another way of doing that, which I'm I'm doing pretty much the same thing, except mine is two weeks because uh, if I have to post a card to somebody from Austria or now I'm back in the UK, it's not such a big deal, but it can take a little while to get there. Uh, it's kind of interesting when you think about it. I think there's a relationship between the length of our shortcuts and when we created them because so many of these got easier over time, particularly with iOS 13. Yes, yes, they absolutely did. And I have to say one of the things that I did after iOS 13 is I kind of went back and deleted some old shortcuts and recreated them. Like I didn't even like save them for comparison purposes. It was just, you know, delete and then re-add things because it allows me to go through and see like, actually, you know what, you know, I'm, I'm not adding this just because I had it before. Um, and uh, I'm not just trying to optimize things because, you know, you'll optimize the first 10 actions to be to use some new fancy stuff and then forget um, or get bored or distracted by Mamma Mia 2 playing on TV. Uh, that may or may not have happened last night while prepping for the show. Um, and um, so I've, I've been going through and uh, recreating them entirely without looking at the old ones for reference, which has been pretty nice to, to help me, you know, get to grips with all the new stuff that's in Shortcuts as well. And, and the real payoff, at least for me, with the, the daily brief shortcut is a text field. Ultimately, you create a text message I'm sorry, I misspoke. You don't want to say text message, but it's a text it's text variable in essence where you type all the stuff in there you want. And, you know, mine will start, like say, good morning, Sparky. Today is, and then insert current date. The time is, and insert the current time. You know, just X days between now and whatever the next trip is. And then the current temperature. And then I also report the high and low. And, um, and I do rain and wind chance if it, it triggers that if statement. And then I break down my work by field guides, Max Sparky, um, which includes podcasts and Sparks Law and personal calendars. And I do some other reporting. And then I always put something, I have an inspirational thing at the bottom, which I change over time. Right now, it just says, do or do not, David. There is no try. And which is mm -hmm. my favorite Yoda quote. So I've got that in there. So you can be kind of fun with yourself. And um, you create that text block that has all that stuff in there, combines all those variables for you. And then you can uh, you can report it out. That's uh, really nice. I have been um, I've actually so I've got a list inside of my shortcut, um, and I should again probably convert this into a function shortcut. But for the time being, it's just a list followed by the filter files action because the filter files action this does two things for me. It sorts it by random and it limits it to one. And then it says, so it picks a random greeting um, out of this. So it might say hello, or it might say good morning, or it might say it's a wonderful day to take over the world. Um, and it has a few different things in there. Yes, I am trying to take over the world with shortcuts, and it's good fun. Yeah. Um, but So it, it picks a random one of these, and it puts that at the start of my greeting for me. Um, and that is quite fun because, you know, it, it, I, even if I read it twice in one day then you know i, I get a different greeting mix um, it up yeah it's fun yeah i got thinking once it'd be fun to put like uh like you could maybe do a url callback to like the shakespearean insulter because i believe that has an api but something where you could get something like that and have it read something different to you like a, an inspirational quote or something every day yes i'm sure you could i mean there's plenty of apis for quotes and so on out there so i'm sure you could make a call to one and get a random quote yeah that's that's what I'm doing. The filter files action is the one that does that. And I have an example in the show notes of uh, how to get a random option uh, out of a list for everybody. If you want to, like I save that text as what I call the status report. That's the variable called status report. And then, um, then you can do things with it. Like one thing you could do is you could just use the speak command and have your phone speak it for you, even if you don't own a HomePod. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, that's that's something that you can definitely do. Personally, I am a fan of show result yeah. um, because um, this way it will either speak or show depending on what you want. And otherwise, you may need something like a a menu. Um, yeah. To 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 decide that on on the fly, which means you have to do input. And if you're driving, then it will ask you, you know, like do you want this or that, and then you have to say option one or something. Yeah, and so I have done it both ways. One of the ways, like I do it if I want it on my phone without dealing with a HomePod, and you use the speak 
result, there are settings for that command in shortcuts. And one of them is wait until finished. And you want to make sure to turn that off. Yes. So I do the speak status report, and then I follow it up by show status report, show result. And so what I get is a immediately it speaks it out, but at the same time, it spits it up on the screen for me in text. So I've got the ability to do both. Uh, some more fun you could have with this. If you've got the HomeKit stuff, you could have it turn on lights. You could have it play music or whatever you want, especially like if you're using it as the alarm, you know, turn off trigger. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and what's really nice about that is you can hand off the playback of the music. So you can start playing the music and then you can hand it off to something like a HomePod, which means that, um, you know, after that, you can still do things on your iPhone and, and get phone calls and so on without having your music disrupted, if that's what you want. Um, I've just been setting my playback destination for the time being, but uh, you could hand off playback entirely as well. Now, there are people listening saying, hey, I have a HomePod. I already know how to ask it for today's weather. I know how to ask it for my calendar. All this stuff is already built into HomePod. I don't need to, to make this crazy shortcut. But the answer I'd give you is twofold. First of all, you can make it customization just for you. Like HomePod's not going to quote Yoda to you. Mine will, you know. Uh, so if there's things you particularly like, like counting down for an upcoming trip is another thing your HomePod's not going to do for you automatically. So you can make it work for you. And secondly, like I said at the top of the show, I think this is just such a great exercise if you're working with shortcuts. You're going to get better mm-hmm. at shortcuts just trying to make your own you know, daily brief shortcut. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, the other thing is, do you really want to ask your HomePod for 10 different things? I personally find that after a while, I, I get a little annoyed by going, hello, lady. Um, you know, like, please, can you tell me the weather today? Hello, can you tell me this? And every time you do it, it goes, mm-hmm, after you say the magic phrase, which is fun. But the 18th time in a row in the morning just to get all the information that you need can be a little wearing. And the other thing that you could do with this, which I've just thought of, um, is if you wanted to, you could save your daily brief into day one or something. Now, previously, what I was trying to do um, back when iOS 13 just was in beta, early beta, is I was uh, creating um, a PDF, converting the PDF to an image, um, and then setting that to my lock screen um, information. So then when I I picked up my lock screen, I got like a little overview of my day. Um, Unfortunately, the ability to set the wallpaper automatically has gone. And actually, for that particular use case, I think it was good because um, I found that, of course, the information changes throughout the day. And do you really want to be updating your wallpaper 8,000 times a day? You know, you could set this to happen every time you run an app or something, open an app, but it, it feels like a, a lot of work and uh, it's not, it wasn't a great experience, but the idea of it was pretty cool. Yeah, I know, I know some people that were doing that. And for me, it just felt like a bridge too far. You know, at some mm-hmm. point, I don't need, I don't need that automation. I'm good. Enough. I'm yeah. good. You know, I ran it in the morning. I'm good. I, I generally know my appointments once I get rolling. Um, but the uh, anyway, make it daily brief, gang. Anything I missed, Rose? Anything on yours that uh, stands out that we didn't talk about? Uh, I don't think so. Oh, wait. One thing that I do have, which we have not talked about, is I get all of my my tasks that are due today out of OmniFocus. So they have this cool new action called, uh, you know, get items from OmniFocus. Yeah. Um, and it's great because you can get the upcoming due items, which is very, very handy because it allows me to do that. Um, and this combined with getting deadlines out of my calendar, I have a specific calendar for like big deadlines. Um, so I can get like the next month's worth of deadlines. I usually go with two weeks. Uh, every so often I go in and tweak that. I had four weeks for a while and I've just gone back to two weeks because I find me, my brain goes, nah, four weeks, that's loads of time. So I stop listening after like the first item yeah. and the first item is due today. And it turns out there's one also due tomorrow. And so I spend all of today relaxing after completing the first item. And the next morning, it's like, oh, my gosh, I've got all of this to do. So, uh, yeah, I've been getting my tasks that are due today out of OmniFocus. I've been excluding a couple of tags because I have some recurring items in OmniFocus. I don't like I know that they're due and I'll find I'll see them in OmniFocus today. I just don't need them, you know, talked to me or shown to me. Um, so, yes. Yeah, I think someday we're going to have to do a kind of a smackdown of all our calendars on the show. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know when, but we are yeah, going well, to do we- that at some point. Yeah, we can put it in the future. This episode of The Automators is brought to you by Ahrefs, SEO tools and resources to grow your search traffic. Get a seven-day trial for just $7. So whether you work for a big brand, run your own small business, or do freelance work, getting traffic to your website is always a challenge. And there's just so much competition out there. 
Ahrefs is an all-in-one SEO tool set that solves that problem. It gives you the tools you need to rank your websites in Google and get tons of search traffic. Now, I know what you're thinking. You heard SEO and you're like, oh, what does that mean? Well, I'll tell you, I've always been a little skeptical of SEO as well, but I started looking into Ahrefs and I'm super interested. I'm going to be setting this up for some of the stuff I do over at Max Sparky. Ahrefs is very easy to set up. They've got features that I like, and it's something I could easily recommend. It uncovers how your competitors are getting traffic and why. You can see the pages and content that send them the most traffic, and you can get estimated search volumes with their Keywords Explorer tool. So you can see how well a piece of content is likely to perform before you write it. Ahrefs has a ton of useful stuff like Content Explorer, which can help you find guest blogging opportunities, and Rank Tracker, which lets you track your progress on keywords. It'll even pick up broken backlinks and help you fix them. So take the mystery out of SEO and go to Ahrefs right now. That's A-H-R-E-F-S dot com. Sign up for a seven-day free trial for just $7. Get reports on your website, see what's performing well, and figure out your next move. Whether you have a personal website you want to get a following on or your company needs more traffic to convert into sales, go there right now. Hrefs.com. Get that $7 trial. Our thanks to Hrefs for their support of automators and all of Relay FM. All right, David. So I think it's time to talk about our next section, which is Ask the Automators, because people have been sending us a lot of questions. Um, and I, I will do full disclosure. My question today comes or the question today comes from me uh, because I wanted to know because I've been trying to do a better context switching. Um, and this ties into something I talked about a few episodes ago where I really want to be using my Stream Deck more. And I thought, you know, context switching is like the way to use a Stream Deck, but I like to color coordinate my stuff. So I was wondering, first of all, David, what color are you using as your accent color on macOS right now? And then secondly, can we automate changing this? Because this is going to be a fun challenge. Yeah, I, I very I like orange. I like gray. But when you told me your idea of saying, when I'm switching context, I want my highlight colors to change, that mm -hmm. immediately pushed some buttons in my nerd brain that are like, yes, yes, I want that now. <laughs> so immediately when you asked me the question, my first go-to was a stop over Keyboard Maestro. Keyboard Maestro does with version nine have the ability to get, um, to set the, um, the dark versus light mode. Uh, mm -hmm. but this is these accent colors and highlight colors are not addressable directly through a keyboard maestro, uh, command. Although I'm going to send Peter an email since we hang up here. So, uh, you and I started talking about this before we started recording the show. And then immediately, you know, once we realized keyboard maestro will not solve this problem, the obvious answer was I'm sure Apple script has a way to do it. So we started digging and both of us found two different Apple scripts methods to uh to make this switch yeah so i actually found a really nice one-liner that almost perfectly works but this only changes the highlight color so for people not familiar uh, a mac os has an accent color and a highlight color that you can set now the accent color is used for things like the arrows of drop downs and the highlight color is shown when you actually highlight something so by default it's blue um and both of those are blue by default but you can change them and I found a one-line Apple script that I'm going to read to people here because I think you're going to be pretty impressed at how short this Apple script is. It's tell application system events to tell app sorry tell application system events to tell appearance preferences to set highlight color to green. That's it. That's the entire Apple script for changing the highlight color. Unfortunately, changing the accent color, as David and I discovered, proved to be a little more complicated. <laughs> Yeah, it it just doesn't address itself to that. And instead, what you have to do is you have to ad you have to address the specific system event box. So yeah. we've got an Apple script that will open up, and um, and full credit, I got started on this journey over at Stack Exchange. Somebody had started something on this, so we'll put a link for that in as well. Um, but the uh, the the script we ended up with. Uh, is great because it it addresses the system event box. So it, the actual preference will show up on the screen for an instant when you run it, which isn't, you know, who wants to see that? But it, it shows up and then it disappears. It doesn't move your mouse or anything. It just shows up and then goes away. But with this script, you can address light or dark mode. 
you can address the highlight color and the um, and also the uh, the accent color. So you can set everything you want. Like if you want to make the accent color orange and the highlight color red and set it to dark mode, you can do that. And it's a relatively small Apple script. Uh, uh, it's about looking at it. I think it's about ten lines. And so we got that put together, and then we put it into a keyboard maestro run Apple script command. And now we can run it in Keyboard Maestro. So if you want to set up a, um, a specific, you know, a specific work mode where everything is orange, then you can do that. That's a, a very nice script. Um, and what I like about this script is it shows you how to create dialog boxes as well. So you can give yourself a choice of the different uh, appearance um, colors. So let's light and dark the different accent colors and the different highlight colors. Um, and that means that you have the values for all of those available. Um, to you. So what you can do then is instead of just using the script and having to set it every time, so every time I run my automator's context button on, on my stream deck, um, then it asks me and I have to remember that automator's is red. Um, what I can do instead is I can modify the script so it doesn't come up and ask me and it just sets everything to red. And that is where where I'm going to be having a lot of fun because I, I like the idea of doing a little bit of color changing. I may even change my wallpaper, David. Uh, you know, because we've got that really nice uh, automator's wallpaper in, for the Relay FM members. Um, and I have that. That's on like a rotation, but I may just start changing my wallpaper programmatically based on what I'm doing. And yeah, now that I think about that, does Keyboard Maestro have a method to change the wallpaper without running an Apple script? Uh, I believe we're both going to be looking. It's a race, people. Are, are you <laughs> counting the moments to see who runs it fast? I've not even got Keyboard Maestro's uh, editor open yet. Uh, oh, wait. Let's see here. Uh, I'm I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Am I going to beat David? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think it's there. It's not there. I can't find it. I look for background and wallpaper, but you can you can definitely do that with Apple Script. Yeah. Um, if you can't do it with Apple Script, you can do it with Automator. Yeah, that's another option there. So you could build an entire context switching, which just changes the appearance of your machine. You can even toggle light and dark mode, of course. Yeah. Um, though personally, I'm I'm liking. I don't know about. You, David, but I'm liking the 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 Mac OS Catalina option where it will just change automatically at sunset. Yeah. So mine is literally about to change as we record this right now. Um, it's uh, pretty cool. Yeah, I, I, there's definitely an Apple script way to change the wallpaper back in the background. Um, and I'll have to yeah. look into it further, but keyboard maestro from my five-second attempt doesn't look like it does that, but it may do that as well. But I love that idea. It's like, so you could automate... Uh, when you press a button on your stream deck or a keyboard combination with keyboard maestro, you get a the automator's desktop. Then it opens up the apps you want and sets the colors to red, maybe because that's in our in our icon. Uh, I like that. I have a challenge for our listeners because I'm pretty certain that you can get the details of the currently playing uh, item from iTunes. So I would challenge anybody who, or sorry, music as it's now called on macOS Catalina. I would challenge our listeners to anybody who listens using the music app to automatically detect which podcast is playing and to set the wallpaper of their desktop um, to uh, the correct artwork for the podcast. That would be a pretty cool hack. Yeah, that would be. Yeah. I mean, I can imagine like for music, changing it to, say, the album artwork, that's not going to work so well because it's going to be changing on average every three minutes. Um, you know, if you're listening to Bohemian Rhapsody, then, you know, you'll, you'll be a little bit safer, but listening to that on loop, yeah, I'm sure, you know, as good as it is, somebody might complain at some point. Um, so yeah, podcast artwork. I got one for you. What, what if you said, instead of changing the artwork to match the podcast, whatever the currently out al playing album is, you pull a dominant color out of the album cover art. Ooh. change the desktop to match that and set the highlight and the um, accent colors to match it as well. How do you get the dominant color out of an artwork on macOS? I can do it on sh in shortcuts with Toolbox Pro. Yeah. But I bet there's a way. I'm sure there is. That is a challenge for our listeners. I am very interested in that. So like if you're playing Dexter Gordon and it's got a red cover, then all of a sudden everything kind of turns red. I, I think that would be fun. I think that could be fun. Sounds like party mode. Yeah. For your Mac. 
Kind of, but with an album, it wouldn't be three minutes. It would run for, you know, 45 minutes or however long the album is. That's assuming you listen to your music based on the album. If you shuffle large playlists like I do sometimes, uh, then that might be a little confusing. Then it'd have to come with an epilepsy warning pop-up dialogue box. Well, fortunately, if, you know, even if the songs are, say, 45 seconds in length, I don't think that would be an issue for most people with epilepsy. But yeah, that's something where it would at the very least be distracting having this little thing change constantly out of the corner of your eye. Yeah. Because even if you have your, your window, like, fit the screen on the on Mac OS, like, then on either side of the dock, you have that little bit of space, you know, and that's assuming that you you have your your window set to as much of the screen as is possible. Well, I think it's a it's it's a good idea, man, uh, to try and automate the way your computer looks based on different types of work you're doing. And I, I think that we've kind of we've solved the the mystery here with this Apple script. So we'll put it in the show notes in one way or another. Maybe I'll just uh, put together a keyboard maestro script on it, and mm-hmm. we'll share that in the show notes so you can just download it and it's already loaded up and ready to go. To change it, all you do, because it's Apple script, is very easy. If you want dark mode or light mode, wherever it says dark, you change it to light. If you want to make it whatever color you want, you just have to change the co- the colors. You know, like if it's red, change it to blue. Yeah. A couple things we learned in our experimentation. There is no gray, but there is a graphite. So Yes. So don't, <laughs> that, don't that threw me for a while. Because I was trying gray with A-Y and E-Y, because there's American and English spellings, and neither of them were working. They were just not being recognized. And script editor, I wasn't using script debugger, otherwise I'd have had autocomplete, but it was saying, you know, I can't find this variable. And I'm there going, it's not a variable, it's a color. Yeah. So they're going, it doesn't exist. Yeah. Uh, but it turns out it's graphite. Yeah. But all the colors work with this script. Uh, some of the other attempts we made didn't recognize some of the newer colors. I think pink didn't work with some of the ones we were trying. Yeah, yeah, that that was a problem with the with the script that I, I read earlier. The telling system events to change the appearance preferences. Pink was not recognized as part of that uppercase or lowercase. Uh, but the good news is is uh, you know for the for the longer script that we found, we're not going to read it out. It's better to copy and paste that one. Um, then you can. You can go ahead and just uh, copy and paste and use it. And it, you've got all the colors listed in the second option as well. They've got the properties listed at the top. Look in that to find out what you need to copy. So there's blue, purple, pink, red, orange, yellow, green, graphite. And in the case of a highlight color, there's also other. I wonder why pink dropped off of that one. I, is it, I guess, an, an API problem? Maybe Apple added pink and when this was written they never added it as a parameter maybe i mean the thing is is when you when you compile that script that's using that little hammer icon in the script editor then it for all of the other colors it changes them from uh, from just black uh, monoprint to blue italic but when you do pink it comes up as green which means it's recognized as a variable rather than a constant um and it just doesn't recognize it and i don't know why i tried pink with an uppercase p and a lowercase p all of the other colors are completely lowercase, but it just doesn't work, and I don't know why. Maybe it's fuchsia or something, magenta. Could yeah, be it a could be we got the wrong name. But, yeah. but at the same time, in in the script that we're going to link in the show notes, uh, with the with the different options that are are listed in there, pink is right there. Yeah, yeah, and when we run it and we type pink, it works. So yeah, yeah, that's that's so, good. One. We'll have to reach out. Maybe if uh, Sal, if you're listening, let us know. Here's a guy. He probably knows. <laughs> Yes, Maybe it was a joke. Does. Maybe Sal just doesn't like pink and decided to leave it out, you know, when he was doing it. Aww. <laughs> so if anybody is on the Apple script team and has a, a, a way to fix that, please give, give me a fix on the, the highlight colors and let me set pink. And also let me set accent colors the same way because that would be pretty cool. But you can't set accent colors so quickly, unfortunately. Yeah, it would be nice to get the accent colors with one a one-line script as well, but just not in the cards. Although the, I, I do think the script we have is very use, useful because it does everything. It does the yeah. the light versus dark mode, highlight and um, accent color all in one go. So that's kind of nice. Yes. And it's very easy to take a look at it. I mean, it, it just says, you know, like click this checkbox um, and set it to to that color um, because it it turns out single selects in Apple Script are actually checkboxes. So this shows you actually how to script a user interface where something doesn't have the explicit ability to say, hey, set the accent color of Mac OS to purple. Um, you know, you click a specific checkbox, which is a the, the single choice list there. 
um, in its very specific uh, area. And that's that's a pretty cool thing to learn because that'll help you a lot with, with applications who are unfortunately not so scriptable in AppleScript. And also, I think if you want to uh, automate any of the system settings, this is going to be all you need. I mean, once you figure yes. this out, you can do almost anything in your system settings with an Apple script. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we'll put that one in and uh, everybody download it. Uh, so we'll I'll put it in as a Keyboard Maestro script, but we'll also uh, put in the Apple script file and a link to the source uh, link we got on this stuff so you guys can play with yeah. it. Let us know what you do with it. I'm sure there'll be some interesting uses. I can tell you, I'm going to be implementing this with my setups on my uh, on my stream deck. So like when I go into email mode, I think I'm, I'm feeling blue for email. Mm-hmm. But for um, recording screencasts, I'm feeling graphite. So it just depends on, you know, I like the idea of being able to set the whole system around the current context. So that's what I'm going to be doing. I'll be dropping this Apple script into a bunch of setup scripts. I will be doing the same thing. Unfortunately, my Stream Deck is back in Austria, so I'm just building the Keyboard Maestro macros right now, yeah. and I'm using that on-screen palette with Keyboard Maestro, yeah. which is pretty cool, but every yeah. so often it annoys me a little bit, and so I end up closing the palette. Um, but it, it's a it's a nice little way of trying to do things for sure. You know, you should do it as a conflict palette in Keyboard Maestro, so it only shows up when you ah. trigger the keyboard shortcut, and then you can select the one you want, and it will disappear. See? David's a genius. There's a reason why we're podcast co-hosts. All right. <laughs> I have a few nuts to add to the pile, but honestly, Rose, I, I think you win today with that whole dictionary thing at the top and the location. That's that's genius. I, I think we can say that we, we both have great ideas and we share them. So everybody's a winner. Okay, we all win. This episode of The Automators is brought to you by ExpressVPN, high-speed, secure, and anonymous VPN services. Get three months for free with a one-year package. Just go to expressvpn.com slash automators. You might have already heard how important it is to have a VPN. And now that a lot of you are working from home, it's even more important to choose a VPN that you trust. I've been using ExpressVPN for years, and I'm a happy customer. I like how easy it is to use. I just go into the application, press one button, and then I'm securely using the internet through a VPN. ExpressVPN values your privacy. They don't log your data to make money from selling it like some other services do. ExpressVPN has developed a technology called Trusted Server that only stores data in RAM, and it's super fast, and you can stream HD quality videos with no lag. It's really easy to use. You just fire up the application, click one button, and you're connected. Plus, ExpressVPN is loved by TechRadar, The Verge, CNET, and more. So protect yourself today. Go to the link right now, expressvpn.com slash automators, and get an extra three months free on a one-year package. Visit expressvpn.com slash automators now to learn more. Our thanks to ExpressVPN for their support of the automators and all of FM. All right, Rose, what else are you automating these days? All right. So recently here at Automators, we switched from using Quip for our show notes to using Google Docs. Now, Quip was great because it supports Markdown um, and it does, you know, do multiple um, editors at the same time and so on. But you and I were running into some odd issues here and there. You know, we were inviting guests to view um, the show notes for their shows and they were having to sign up and ask for permission to view things, which is not what we wanted at all. Um, and, you know, we don't want people to have to sign up for stuff. We want to make this easy on guests. And every so often I was finding that I couldn't take notes as we were recording. So as we record, we we create a list of edit points just for any time, you know, we, we mess something up or so that we can make sure that our chapter markers are in the right space. And this was driving me a little bit insane and you weren't that happy with it either. So we decided we're switching from Quip to Google Docs, which means that I had to change the automations in Zapier. Because Zapier for us automatically creates the the show notes doc um, so that then, you know, especially for guests, we have, you know, like a, a, a predetermined outline that we will use as a basis and then we will go in and edit it. Um, and, you know, we try and, and get this, uh, you know, to be a, a similar format every time so that people can jump to the str- same places in the show, you know, if that's what they're listening for the next time around. Um, then, and so I had to change this. Um, and this meant that I had to do a few things. First of all, I had to swap the clip action for a Google Docs action to create a Google Doc. But the Google Docs action does not support Markdown. 
So I also had to go and add an action before this. And to do that, I use the formatter option in Zapier. And this is really great. I think it might be called format text actually. Um, but what you can do among a variety of other things is you can convert Markdown to HTML and the Google Docs action to create a new Google Doc supports HTML. So our entire show notes are based on so information that we have in Airtable. And then this is extracted. And then there's a script inside of Zapier. I'm not going to go into the details there, but essentially it checks whether or not we have a guest and it generates some different things based on that and the notes that are passed into um, this from Airtable. Um, and then that is all in Markdown because that means that if you, David or I want to pop in and, and edit something, then we can do that very easily. Um, and then um, this this action, the formatter action, converts our Markdown to HTML. And then the HTML is put into the Google Doc action, which creates the Google Doc. And then, of course, we have another Airtable action to update our Airtable record with a link to the show notes. Because this means that um, what I'm doing with my Stream Deck button, uh, when I get my Stream Deck back for the time being, it's just the Keyboard Maestro macro, um, is it opens the Airtable automator, uh, the automator's Airtable base in Firefox for me. Um, and then I can see the link to the show notes and I can just click on it and go straight to the show notes there. Because, of course, every show has a different document. Nice. That was a lot of work, though. It sounds like a lot of work, but actually, once I realized that I just needed a formatter action, it wasn't so much work. I added the script a couple of months ago and I've been going through and tweaking it every time um, because, you know, we, we like to... to you know, change things up a little bit and improve things. So, for example, for our guests, there's a link where they can upload the audio because otherwise the inevitable question is, and where do I upload the audio to? Um, and we want to make it easy for everybody so we don't have to, you know, fumble for finding links and stuff like that. Um, so it's, yeah, it's it's been a little bit of work over time to do it, but the payoff is so good because now we have, you know, all the doc the information right here in Google Docs in front of me. And you and I are both editing today's show notes as we go at the same time to make sure we've got all the links in at the bottom. And that's pretty awesome. Yeah. It seems to be uh, a little more consistent and uh, you know, that's why we did it. But the, uh, yeah. I, I've always thought of Google docs and the Google suite in general is fairly automation friendly in terms of web-based automation. You know, like they, yes. they have a lot more hooks in Zapier and if this, then that, and these other web-based automation services, because just the nature of the beast, uh, I never realized the problem with Markdown. Yeah, I mean, it's not really a problem with Markdown. I just, I'm not sure if it's maybe on the Zapier side of the action or maybe if it's on the Google Docs side um, that it doesn't support Markdown. But at the same time, I, you know, I'm already paying for for Zapier so that I can add lots and lots of actions to one Zap. Um, so I can do many, many things, which is very useful. Um, and then, um, you know, so I just added this formatter action. You know, it's free for me. Zapier has to do a little bit of, little bit more work on their servers, but I'm sure they don't mind converting you yeah. know, a couple of hundred words from uh, Markdown to HTML. And then that means, that, you know, we end up with everything in the Google Doc ready to go, uh, nicely formatted for us. Nice, nice. So I have been doing some um, simple automation lately. Drafts has been, I don't know, for some reason, Drafts just always gives you automation ideas. But um, as we record this, we're fairly early in the home lockdown situation. Uh, the show is actually going to go out uh, several weeks after we record it. So I hope everything's okay in the future. Yes, yes. Um, but the uh, but I've got a bunch of family members that are home now. And the uh, I've been sending text messages to these groups. And I've set them up in, in drafts with uh, specific actions designed to message very specific groups of people. And I've got several of them. So I thought rather than opening messages and trying to like cobble together those groups, I would just do it in drafts. And the problems to solve is number one, it's easier to make at the beginning. All you do with drafts is create a message template with the specific recipients you want inside of it. And then you write the message in drafts and then you uh, invoke the action and off it goes. Uh, so it solves the problem of creation, but it also solves the problem of not responding to the wrong thread. Because when you've got a bunch of threads and messages with multiple people, oh yeah, it's not obvious which one you're responding to. So I thought, you know, to avoid uh, problems, I would do that. There's nothing too fancy about it. There's no, I, I made a separate menu group, but other than that, it's, there's really not much to it. 
I mean, that's one of those things, though, where it's a nice, a small automation that's really great. And that reminds me of another one that I've created based on message groups as well, because I'm temporarily with my parents. I got a little stuck over here with the whole lockdown situation. Yeah. Unexpectedly, you know, things progressed faster than I expected. But you know what? I'm, I'm still in a great place. So I'm pretty happy with how that worked out. But when I start recording, you know, I message my parents in a group chat to let them know that, hey, I'm recording. Please don't vacuum. Um, and so I've actually got a little shortcut for that um, where I can just, you know, say, you know, podcast recording and then it asks me start or stop. Um, and then it sends a message to that group chat to say, yes, um, you know, I'm starting recording or I've just stopped recording. Go ahead. Because sometimes I'll, I'll stay on the call after we stop recording. David and I don't immediately hang up at the end of an episode. We like to chat and make sure that we're happy with everything and do a little bit of future planning. So it's good for them to know that, you know, I'm not recording anymore so they can get on with life and, you know. It's 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 remarkable how useful text messages are when you have an entire oh, family yeah. back in a house together. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it, living on your own, like maybe you wouldn't think of things like that, but it's really useful for me to be able to message my parents and be like, hey, just started podcasting. And I was like, you're you're recording a podcast? It's like, no, no, I, I sent you that information at lunchtime. And uh, but it's OK. I, I don't expect them to remember every moment of my day. When I was a kid, I had a friend whose family had installed a wired set of intercoms in their house. And <laughs> I just thought it was the coolest thing ever that they could all like talk to each other in different rooms without screaming. Cause that's how, I mean, that that's the walkie talkie function on watch OS. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, and now we have it like with text messages. So it doesn't make any noise, but do you ever use the walkie talkie function? No, because I forgot about it until I just mentioned it just now. And now I'm, 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 I want to press the button, but we're still podcast recording and my parents are downstairs and are not expecting this. So I don't know what will happen if I turn it on and if, what they'll say to me. So I'll, I'll do that after the show and report back next time. Yeah, well, my wife and I set it up and we've never used it. And it's just like the whole idea, I don't know, it's something you test once and you, I, I bet the numbers of usage on that are ridiculously small. I can see I can see the usage for that being great. At, like if you're going to Disneyland for the day, you know, yeah. like just being able to communicate quickly with each other by talking and not having to get your phone out of your pockets, especially, you know, if you and yeah. in your case, your your kids are grown ups. So that that's not a worry for you. But especially if you're you're you know, you've got small children, you're wrangling small children, just being able to, you know, walkie talkie through your Apple watch uh, is uh, yes. But there's part of me that just loves the idea of a text message because it's so much less invasive. You know, it's it is. But the problem with a text message is you can't necessarily like unless you've got AirPods in your ears, your your watch isn't going to read it out. And then you're going to have to like look at it to try and read it. And I don't know about you, but my watch screen is pretty small, uh, especially if I'm wandering around not wearing my glasses, which yeah. happens in the early morning or late evening, then I'm not going to be able to read yeah. that. Yeah. Well, either way, big problems. But hey, automate your uh, your text messages. You can do that with drafts. Uh, there, I'm, I'm sure there's other ways to do it as well. But but drafts is usually my weapon of choice for things like that. All right. Well, that about wraps it up for the automators uh, this time. You can find us over at relay.fm slash automators. Uh, you can find the forum over at talk.automators.fm. Let us know what you want to do. Ask the automators there. We're going to start doing that on future episodes. It's kind of fun getting little puzzles and trying to solve them. Uh, you'll find a bunch of stuff in the show notes today, including all those Apple scripts we talked about. And uh, we'll see you next time. Yeah. See you in two weeks, everybody.